Good morning, good morning, good morning. It is so good to see you all here today. I'm Erica Allen. If this is your first time worshiping with us, I cannot thank you enough. My kids and I slept a little late this morning, so I know what a sacrifice it is to get up and be here this morning for an hour. And I just thank you for giving that time um, to God and to Horizon Church. And I pray, I pray that in this moment you will be fueled up to shine light and ignite change. There are lots of people on our team who've been praying and working and got here early to greet you this morning because we are so glad to see each and every one of you here this morning. So we are in the middle of a message series um, about healthy relationships. So um, I don't know if y'all know this or not, but we live in a world that feels kind of divided, right? Does anybody here think we live in a world that's divided? Um, so we live in a world that's divided, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. We can spend the rest of our lives blaming it on politics or pandemics, on economics or everything else. But the issue is, the issue is that God created us to have healthy relationships. So what's the number one thing that's going to happen when we start to have healthy relationships to build God's kingdom and goodness here? Something is going to start trying to divide us and attack us. And so today, what we're going to talk about is we're going to continue this series about how we can have healthy relationships because God wants to use the relationships of the people sitting beside you, the people you work with, the folks in your family, the people in your community, and your neighborhood. God wants to use these relationships. God wants to make them healthy so that we can build God's kingdom here. So there are three components to healthy relationships. Each week we're looking at a different one. Last week we looked at Christ centered. Can everybody say Christ centered? Christ centered. The second is mission driven. That's what these arrows mean. Can everybody say mission driven? Mission driven. And the third, this is not hang 10. This is promise keeping. Sorry about your drum. Can, can y'all all say promise keeping with me? Promise keeping. Healthy relationships are Christ centered, mission driven, and promise keeping. So for those of you that don't know, this Horizon Church is the second church that I've started. The first church that I started was in Nashville, Tennessee, in the urban core of Nashville. It was a small neighborhood called East Nashville. There were three groups of people, basically, that lived here. There was a, a huge um, public housing um, place in East Nashville, so there were lots of mom, single moms with, with children and um, just lots of poverty and generational poverty so public housing then there were millennials folks who looked a lot like Chris and I who were moving into East Nashville and and sort of young and innovative wanted to be close to the urban center so there there were these young millennials coming in and then East Nashville had historically had less expensive housing prices and so there were also that's where all the songwriters and like budding musicians lived all of them lived in East Nashville so we had this dream a group of us had this dream what would it look like what would it look like if God could bring these three groups of people together? These folks who were longing for a new day and a different way to live in public housing. These millennials who had this sort of just this hunger for, for new ways of doing things and this, this vision for a beloved community. And then these artists who could use the gifts that God had given them to tell the stories of what was happening and to begin to show us the vision, begin to, to draw for us um, through song and through art the vision of 
what a new community could look like, what the new day for this community could look like. So we got together and we decided that the number one thing that we needed to do to start with, we were going to start um, in the fall, so we started praying and stuff in March, and we realized that a lot of the kids who lived in public housing did not have an opportunity to go to summer camp and stuff. So what would it look like if our community pulled all of its resources together and we started this program where kids read and did math and learned character traits and we had artists come in and we had, you know, just a fun summer camp for these kids. And so this community got behind it, y'all. There were older folks in the community coming to read with the kids. There were teachers in the community who'd give a day or two to tutor with math and stuff. There were musicians coming in to play. Like, it was just, it was an awesome summer. We had the best time. The kids were learning and growing, and they were excited to be at camp every day. And they weren't at home while their mom worked two jobs, you know, just trying to make it. They weren't at home with nothing to do. They were with people learning and growing, and it was so exciting and fun. And we got towards the end of the summer, and this little girl, Shayla, looks at me she was about this tall she was in second grade and she looks at me and she says miss erica we got to have a party and i said well you never have to ask me twice to have a party let's have one but why are we having a party and she said to celebrate what all we've done this summer like i've i've reading that higher level than i was when i came in my my brother knows more about math like let's have a party and celebrate this these these women came in and read with us let's celebrate all together and i said that sounds like a good idea so we started planning these older guys in the community brought grills we had eight guys bring their grills they were going to grill hot dogs and hamburgers a group of women made banana pudding and pecan pie they were going to bring that for the dessert the kids planned this like talent show together but we needed a sound machine like a sound system to be able to project this out so I, I just started asking some folks and my buddy Jason who was a musician said I have a port portable sound machine no problem so the kids have all these dances I've got a speech ready to thank everybody for what they've done for the summer so we're setting up it's the day of the party everything's set up there are literally hundreds of people on this park in in the middle of East Nashville so it's this big huge green field there's literally hundreds it smells like summer the grills are going you can smell the hot dogs and hamburgers you can like you can taste the banana pudding that's sitting there it was it was just the best thing the kids are playing games they're playing water balloons we're having a blast and I've got this sound system like set up and I go to turn on the power button and it doesn't turn on and Shayla comes over to me and she says Pastor Erica what are we going to do? And I said, call Pastor Chris. So, <laughs> and those of you who have helped set up know that's my go-to. Call Pastor Chris. So we call him. He, we lived a couple blocks away. He walked over, and I was like, Chris, I'm afraid I broke Jason's sound machine. He's a musician. Like, this is the only thing he has to do house shows. Can you please fix it? So he, he like, sees that you turn on the power, and it wasn't working. He was like, where's the power cord? And I said, it's portable. It doesn't need a power cord. And <laughs> Shayla goes, portable, the second grader, goes, portable means it's easy to carry, not that it's electronic. <laughs> and I was like, thank you, Shayla. Um, I was like, I have no idea what to do. The nearest power source is literally like half a mile away at the community center down the street. Like there's nothing anywhere near this field. So Shayla literally calls every person on the field and says, everybody go home and find whatever extension cords you can and come back. And the field empties. There's nobody on the field. The grills aren't manned. There's like hamburgers burning and hot dogs. Everybody has gone home. I'm not kidding. To get their power cords. 
kids come back with, you know, those power surge protectors that are like a foot long, and we've got 50-foot power cords. I won't tell you how many or what kind of fire hazard it was, but we plugged up one end of that power cord in the community center, and we stretched a half a mile of power cords and extension cords. Some of y'all are like, oh, my gosh, what a fire hazard. Um, But we had sound on that field, and there was a moment standing there as we flipped that sound machine on and the music played and the kids danced and I got to say thank you to our community for what we had done that I realized everybody leaving that field and going to get a power cord to celebrate this was something rare it doesn't happen much in our community or in our world right where we all team together string together whatever it is we have to make sure we're celebrating and working for a new day there was a moment where I stood there on that field and I realized there was one simple way that we could explain this. These folks were mission-driven. Their hearts had, had just absolutely focused on making sure these kids could read and be celebrated. The, the folks wanted to celebrate each other and the work they had poured into this. We had an amazing summer. And for a moment, we stopped what we were doing and we focused on the mission that we all had to make sure kids could learn and grow and be celebrated mission-driven relationship mission-driven relationships I'm not just talking about some big mission outreach or community I'm talking about what does it look like in your marriage that feels like it's on the rocks what if y'all got really serious about the mission and you started a mission that God had given you and you started driving towards it at work you can't stand your colleagues or you don't like your boss and that's all you find yourself talking about what if you got really laser focused in on being mission-driven You and your kids can't seem to get along. Your teenage son's doing one thing and you're doing another and y'all can't seem to get on the same page. Why don't you get really clear about being mission-driven? You've not talked to your brother or your grandparents in years. What? What if we could be mission-driven? And we brought whatever it was we had. We ran home and we got whatever it was God had given us and we brought it together and we strung it all together and we said we are here to accomplish some purpose that is bigger than us. Some purpose that is bigger than us. Why? Why do we need mission-driven relationships? You each were given a worksheet as you came in. I was a seventh grade teacher before I was a pastor, so I'm sorry. It's just what I do. I give you worksheets. If you'll pull those out, find something to write with, you are four times as likely to remember something if you write it down. And I believe what we're talking about to have healthy relationships is so important that I want you to take it home and I want you to look over it and I want you to remember it. Because I am ready for the people in these seats to leave these doors ready to have healthy relationships that are mission driven. Why? Why do we need mission driven relationships? Because God created us. God created us for mission driven relationships. If you have your Bibles with you, if you'll turn to Genesis chapter 1, we're going to look at three different spots in the Bible today, but Genesis chapter 1 is where we're going to focus first. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27. God has just created humans, okay? God has just created humans, and I want you to hear the very first thing that God says. So God created humans in God's own image. In the image of God, God created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, this is the very first thing that God says, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. 
rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living thing, every living creature that moves on the ground. God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for good for for you. And God said it was good. Now, a lot of people look at this and say, God created male and female, and this is about marriage. This, no, this is before brokenness or sin has entered. This is the very first thing that God looks at people and says. The very first thing that God says is, I created you to multiply my goodness in the earth. I created you to multiply my goodness in the earth. That's God's first command to humans. I created you to multiply my goodness in the earth. And yet so often, so often, the first thing we think God says to us is what all we've done wrong, what all we've messed up, what all things we need to be doing. But the very first thing God says is it's good and you are created to multiply my goodness with the people around you. It's the very first thing God said. Don't you think it's one of the most important if it's the very first thing God said? Sometimes we read this translation, we hear that subdue or master. It's because the Hebrew word for that, I can't say it. I'm sorry. I don't know how. But the Hebrew word for that that we translated, the best thing we could do was say subdue or master over it. But what it's actually talking about, the other ways that it's used in the Hebrew language is like how a mother or a father cares for and nurtures their children. God has asked us to care for and nurture God's creation around us, to multiply the goodness and spend our time nurturing and doing the best we can to build up the creation around us. It's the very first thing God said. God created us to multiply God's goodness. It's how we were knit together. The very last thing, if you can go over to Matthew, um, Matthew chapter uh, 28, The very last thing that Jesus says, Jesus dies on the cross, is risen again, and comes back to see us, or whatever, and before he ascends into heaven, this is the last thing that Jesus said. So the first thing God says is, go and multiply my goodness in the world. And the very last thing Jesus says is, listen to this, Jesus came to the disciples and he says to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. And make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always until the very ends of the earth. The very last thing that Jesus tells us is go and make disciples so you can multiply my goodness in the world. We were created We were created to multiply God's goodness. It's the first thing God said to us, and it's the last thing Jesus says before he ascends into heaven. It's the most important thing I think we can do is go. This is the mission. This is what we should be driving after, this mission to go and multiply God's goodness in the world. So what is a mission-driven relationship? What does it look like? What does it look like? In Romans chapter 16, there's this new, there's this pastor who's starting new churches. His name is Paul. He, he has 
went through this amazing transformation experience in his own life. He's absolutely in love with Jesus, and he believes in the movement that he's starting. And the Roman government is afraid of the church, the new churches that he's starting. He didn't start new churches with swords and guns and all these wild weapons. That's not what Paul did. You know what he did? He started movements that took bread in their hands and fed it to people who were hungry who took clothes in their closet and gave it to the people who were naked, who, who took their own hands and feet and homes and offered homes for children who were orphaned or women who were widowed. And the Roman government was scared of that because when you start multiplying God's goodness, it questions the authorities that try to divide us. That's how the church started with bread in our hands and love in our heart to multiply God's goodness. That's what mission-driven relationships are. They reveal God's goodness to the world. They reveal God's goodness to the world. I want to read to you Romans chapter, um, Romans chapter 16, verse 23. Sorry, I lost my Bible that has large print. So if anybody sees a big black Bible laying around with large print, it's for me because I can't see anymore. Um, but this is, what, this is what Paul writes to him at the end of a letter. So he's writing the Romans. He's in prison. The Roman government has put him in prison because they're scared of his ability to start this movement that's changing the world. So they put him in prison. And this is what he writes to, to the churches um, from prison. He says, Now to him who is able to establish you by my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery. So revealing the secret hidden for long ages past, but now is revealed. So there's been this secret of God's glory and goodness that people haven't known about, but it's being revealed. It's being made known right now through the prophetic writings of the people, because you guys are sitting down and you're reading the prophetic writings of the people um, of the eternal God, so that all the nations might believe and obey him. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. So he prays this prayer over them. God, use these people to reveal God's goodness that feels like it's been hidden from the world. Use these people to reveal God's goodness to the world. That's Paul's prayer over these young churches. Because that's what mission-driven relationships do. That's what this whole, this whole book, he ends with this prayer of saying, don't forget your mission, church, to reveal God's goodness to the world. Reveal God's goodness to the world. How do we do that? We avoid divisions is the first thing he says. So right before he prays, he writes uh, the Romans this. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching that you have learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving Jesus. They are serving their own appetites. Avoid divisions. If you want to have mission-driven relationships, if you want to know what they look like, they avoid divisions. Divisions, die means two. Two visions, right? You can't get clearer about where you're headed. Divisions, avoid them at all costs. Avoid divisions is what Paul says. That's number one, avoid decisions. Romans 16, 17 through 20. Number two, give glory to God. When the good things start happening, when you start multiplying God's goodness, don't let it be about your own appetite and your own vision and serving you. If you want mission-driven relationships with people around you, make sure you're giving glory to God for the good things that happen. 
I'm not able to help feed these orphans all by myself, the church in Romans said. But we can do it together and we're going to give glory to God. We're going to make sure you know you are loved, not because we're good people, but because God loves you and God loves us. And God can do a miracle in us and through us to shine light and ignite change in the world. Give glory to God. Mission-driven relationships are always thinking about how we give glory to God. How we look out for the people around us. How we look out for the people who are hungry and scared and orphaned and widowed. And the third thing is they reveal God's goodness to the world. If you have a relationship right now in your life and you're like, I just, I don't, I can't, my, my marriage is on the rocks. My best friend and I haven't talked in three months. My brother and I haven't spoken. This colleague at work drives me nuts. If you have something like that in your life, I want you to think, have I done everything I could to avoid division? Have I done everything I could to give glory to God for the good things that are happening? And have I revealed God's goodness to the world? Is this something I can do with the people around me? Can I reveal God's goodness to the world? And if your answer is no to all of those, it's okay to step away from that relationship and start to focus on some relationships that are mission-driven. Because the world doesn't need more division. It doesn't need more unhealth. It doesn't need more toxicity. What we need is mission-driven relationships. Mission-driven relationships. So how in the world, how in the world can I start to have a mission-driven relationship? I I want relationships that avoid divisions. I want relationships that give glory to God. I want relationships in my life that help me give goodness to God. The way that you have healthy mission-driven relationships in your life is you get clear. You get really clear about your mission-driven purpose that God has given to you. And there's two questions you can ask because there are two things that a mission has. A mission has a common enemy, a common enemy, and a mission has a common mission. So this is what you can do when you go home. You can go home and you can find somebody who will have the same kind of enemy as you, your boss, your mother-in-law, your whatever. You can find, you can find a common enemy with somebody around you. You can do that. And then you can have a common mission right? You can have a common mission to go about sabotaging and destroying the things around you. Or you can rephrase the question like this. What if the common enemy is what breaks God's heart? What if the common enemy is what breaks God's heart? The kids were experiencing a summer slide in East Nashville. That orphans didn't have a home. That widows were left with nothing. That sick people had nobody to care for them. And it broke God's heart. And the church said, that's our enemy. That's our enemy and we're going to fight it with bread and love and kindness and goodness and justice and clothes and care. That's the enemy. And our common mission is to multiply God's goodness, his healing, his glory, his goodness, his peace, his justice. Ask the question, what's your purpose? God created you in a special way to do something that only you can do in this world. And when you unite with, look around this room. When you unite with other people in this room, what if our hearts were broken for the things that break God's heart? And that's our enemy. 
And we start fighting it with the love and goodness of God. Mission-driven relationships. On Wednesday, I went to Shermonte Elementary School. And I tell about this. We have a lunch buddy program there. Um, we have about 25 adults here in this church who are partnered up with kids who spent three years of their school life absolutely just in it's, it's been craziness and shifting all the time, like online school, some quarantines, all the things. They've just experienced like crazy stuff for three years. And so we have 25 adults who go and sit with them and just let them know we support you. We care about you. We want you to know that God has a purpose for you. We don't say it exactly like that, but we just let them know they're nurtured and they're loved and we want to multiply God's goodness in their lives. And I get there on Wednesday and there's a woman in our church named Jana Walker. And her lunch buddy is about as happy as you could ever imagine. I'm kidding. She's not happy to see an adult. She doesn't want to eat with Jana ever. She, like, is scared of bugs, so she doesn't want to eat outside. And lunch buddies have to meet outside. So it's just this, like, but Jana shows up every single week. Every single week. She's Googled things that fifth grade girls like. She made her cookies last week. She's doing everything she can to build a relationship with this girl. And I called her teacher, and she said, I don't know who this girl's lunch buddy is, but she, like, trusts adults for the first time ever. And I think it, she's probably not going to tell your lunch buddy thank you, but something about an adult showing up every single week for her, no matter how she acts, tells her that she's loved. And I was like, Jana, you're, like, changing the world. Thank you for what you're doing. And as I leave, Jana's daughter, her adult daughter, Whitney, is standing at the front of the school supporting her mom in this building this relationship because the two of them aren't talking about their husbands or the next shopping trip or where their next vacation is. They're not talking about that. Her, these two grown women are talking about a common enemy, a common enemy, kids who need to know they're supported and loved by adults who don't have that in their lives. They have a common enemy and they have a common mission. We're going to do everything we can to support one another and Whitney goes and meets with her lunch buddy, and Jana meets with her lunch buddy out there, and they support and love each other in a mission-driven relationship. It changes the way we do things. Data Glasser and Katie Glasser, they're another mother and daughter adults. I was riding home from church the other day. They're walking their dogs, and I said, hey, Data, hey, Katie. She's, like, spending Sunday afternoon with her mom. I was like, how are y'all doing? And she said, I, we were just praying for, for my lunch buddy. Data goes every week to meet with a lunch buddy. And she said, me and my adult daughter, we're having a mission-driven relationship. We were praying that the, these girls at school wouldn't be divided. They wouldn't hear all these other bullying things coming at them. They wouldn't be scared about what school looks like. We, we, we're praying that she has the jacket that she needs for school. She has the food she needs for school. We have a common enemy and a common mission. Multiply God's goodness in my own life. Chris and I have a really hard time figuring out how to date each other. I'm just being honest. In a, we're planting churches. He's getting a degree. We've got three kids. And we agreed to start 2022. We were going to start having a lunch date once a week. And it became February, and we hadn't had a lunch date. And so Chris said, hey, Erica, I'm headed to see my lunch buddy last Wednesday. I said, I usually see mine on Friday, but I'm going to change to Wednesday. And we drive together to the school. And for a minute, we're not focused on everything else in the world. We have one mission. One mission, a common enemy that we had since the very first time we fell in love with each other to make sure youth and kids knew they were loved. We had a common mission, and we held hands.
weekends, and he kept his eyes open, and I prayed <laughs> as we drove to Monte Elementary School because we had a common mission. It's changing our marriage to have a mission-driven relationship. Gretchen and Jennifer are in our women's Bible study. They don't know I'm going to tell this story, but they work for competing accounting firms downtown, like literally across the street from each other, and they are competing. And on Tuesday nights, they sit beside each other, and they open up the Bible, and they pray for each other. They have a common enemy. The things in the world that try to divide us and make us compete against each other, those will not have a, have a more powerful effect on their lives than studying the Bible and getting really clear about what God's goodness is. They go to lunch together. Maybe they go, to, go in secret so their bosses don't, I don't know. Um, but they go to lunch together and they're loving each other because they have a common enemy. The division, the things that try to make us compete and compare and split off from one another, that will not win in this relationship. These two adult women have a mission to figure out how they can be the most Christ-centered women driving for goodness in the business world here in Tampa because they have a mission-driven relationship. They know they need each other to multiply God's goodness. What relationship do you have in your life that needs to be mission-driven? What relationship have you spent way too long around and invested in that you don't have a common enemy and you don't have a common mission anymore and you, you just need to take some time to get really clear about your purpose and about what that might be? Your marriage is on the rocks. Start with that. What, what, do you, what breaks your heart? What do you think breaks God's heart? How can we work together to multiply God's goodness? You haven't talked to your daughter. You're having a strained relationship with your teenage kid. What do you think breaks God's heart? And how? How can we start to work to multiply God's goodness in the world? Here's the deal. Everybody sitting in these seats needs to know something really special. You have a purpose. You have a God-given purpose to multiply God's goodness in the places where you are right now, in your job, in your parenting, in your relationships. You have a job to multiply God's goodness. And everything in our world will work to give you a different vision and divide us from that. But look around this room. What if we were committed to making sure we were multiplying God's goodness in the world? Some of you are sitting here and you're like, Erica, I don't, know if I, I don't know if I can multiply any kind of goodness. I need to tell you something, okay? God wants that kind of mission-driven relationship with you. God's relationship with Jesus was mission-driven. It, it was for you and you and you and you and you. That you would know your purpose. That you would be set free from everything that you think isn't good enough about you. It's, it's too broken for you. God has a mission through Jesus Christ, to heal that in you so that you can multiply God's goodness. And if you haven't let God shine that light or ignite that change in your life, this morning is the best time ever. In just a moment, we're going to pray. I invite you to pray silently. I'm going to be up here in the front after communion. Come pray with me. Jacob, uh, one of our leaders in our church, is going to be back in the back. Go pray with him if you need to. Find one of us and pray with us because you need to know you need to know that God's mission-driven relationship is about healing you so that you can join in mission-driven relationships and shine light and ignite change and multiply God's goodness in the world. Will you pray with me? God, I pray for each and every person here this morning. I lift them up to you. And I give you thanks that through Jesus Christ, 
your mission is to heal us and set us free to multiply your goodness in the world. And I pray this morning, God, that we will do just that. That you will fuel us up to multiply your goodness. That our common enemy will be the injustices in our world. And that our common mission will be about multiplying your goodness. Use us. Use us this morning. Heal our relationships. Help us to have mission-centered conversations in our relationships that are hurting and that need this. And for those of us with healthy relationships, God, that, that, have, that are doing this mission-centered thing, empower us to bring others along with us. We pray humbly, God, that you will multiply your goodness through us and in us. Amen.